When someone expects you to know something that you don't know, it can be really frustrating. Luckily, God does not leave us to figure things out on our own. In this series, called Basic, we're talking about the foundational principles of being a follower of Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Tonight, as you could probably tell, we're continuing a series called Basic, and um, that word is used a lot in our culture, and it's usually not used in a nice way. We usually call people basic, and what we mean is something mean, uh, that they're regular, there's nothing special about them. That's not quite how we're talking about it tonight. Um, This series is about the basics of being a Jesus follower. What is it, if I come to church, if I make my life about Jesus, what does that mean for my life? We're talking about the very basic things that uh, that entails. So last week, we talked about worship. I mentioned that a little bit. We t- I answered three questions. We talked about how God like, doesn't just expect us to know these things, right? Like he teaches us how to worship. He teaches us the foundations of how this works, and he, he wrote us a whole book about it. And so last week, we talked about worship. We answered three questions. Why do we worship? The answer was because he deserves it. When do we worship? The answer was in all circumstances, because it can be we all probably have a tendency to either worship when things are good or when things are bad, but the answer is always worship. We always need to focus on that. And the third question was how, and uh, Jesus told us to worship in spirit and in truth, and so that just means we are genuinely focused on God. We are genuinely um, directing our love, pouring out our love to Jesus in worship. So uh, last week was worship. Tonight, we're talking about something that uh, can be a little uncomfortable, in church, um, because ch- the church has a bad reputation. Um, certain people have spoiled this for a lot of people. So tonight we are talking about money. We're talking about why God wants your money, what the Bible says about money, what God has, how God has interacted with human history and talked about money. Um, what if I don't have any money? Where do I get some money? We're talking all about money tonight. So we're going to talk about these four things because I like four things or lists of three things or five things. Um, <laughs> we're talking tonight, and they're all, they all start with P, go figure. We're talking about the portion, the place, the purpose, and then plus, which is going to be a little special. So the portion, the place, and the purpose, and then plus, which is a little bit about offering, which is kind of an offshoot of this topic, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. We see money show up all throughout what God has said to us, um, because we believe that God wrote he had people write down this book. Um, we call it the Bible, and it's how God interacted with human history, and all throughout that thing, we talk, he talks a ton about money, and that's because money is very, very powerful. Um, it is estimated that in the New Testament, Jesus mentions Bible, or mentions money, just not thinking about the words coming out of my mouth. He mentions money uh, like over 2,000 times, and keep in mind, we have like four books of his words, like out of a ton, like He didn't, like, we don't, it's a large portion. That's what I'm getting at. It's a large portion of what he said was about money. About half of his parables, so that's helpful. Um, He he taught through stories, and that's what we call a parable. Um, So about half of those stories he was teaching about money. There's only one more thing that he talked about. um, One thing he talked about more than money, and that is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God um, kind of means a couple different things. So it it gets a leg up because it means like it means what we do here. It means heaven. It means a couple things. So it applies around uh, in different areas. And so he used it a bunch of times. But money is number two thing that Jesus talked about. So if it was important to Jesus, we need to take note that money, it must be important. Money must be powerful. It must matter what I do with my money. There's a man named Adrian Rogers. He was a Southern Baptist preacher and an author, and he put it this way. 
a faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. A faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. And he didn't just like make this up. There is some like, God talks about this. We said Jesus talked about it a ton. Uh, in Matthew 6, 21, it says, where your treasure is, there are also, there also your heart will be. And God wants our heart. And if you remember one thing about tonight, that's what it should be. It is God wants our money, but it's not about money. God wants us to give, but it's not about our money. It's about our heart. Where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. It's all about our heart. That's why we give to show God that he has our heart. I read about a children's lesson. Um, and like, if it's, if it's something three and four-year-olds can get, then it can be something we can get. So, so it's like this simple, socks and shoes. Have you ever put your shoes on first and then your socks? Stupid, don't do it. Your socks go before your shoes every time. I, I think, right? I can't think of a situation where it goes the other way. Socks and then your shoes. In the same way, if I were teaching a Sunday school class of three and four-year-olds, I don't want you to like, if I asked you to channel that class, this place would explode because I know you. So don't do that. But imagine what it would be like. Shoes go after socks. And in the same way, Jesus comes before your money. In the same way, you need to prioritize socks over shoes. Socks need to come first. In the same way, Jesus needs to come before money. Is that simple enough? <laughs> it's that easy to understand, but to live that way can be a little more challenging. To actually apply that to make, like, because my heart does not want that to be the case. My heart, I spend Sunday and Wednesday at church, in a church building, but I spent every day with a wallet in my pocket. I spent every day looking at my piggy bank. So how do I make Jesus come first? So to start off, we're going to talk about the portion. This is how God views money, how we as Christ followers need to view money. This is the portion that God wants. So there's a difference, first of all, between tithe and offering. If you're a church person, I know at this church in particular and many other churches I've been to, they say, it's time to take this morning's tithes and offerings. The reason they use those two words is because those two words mean two different things. Um, offering is, is beyond a tithe. And we're going to talk about offering when we get to plus. But your tithe is where you start. Tithe is where you start, and offering is beyond that. So tonight, most of our talk is going to, to discuss the tithe idea. So tithe is what is 10% that we give to God. So I take my paycheck, and I take 10% right off the top, and I send that to Jesus. Dear Jesus, here is 10% of my paycheck. I don't know where it goes in the mail, but somebody's getting rich from it. Um, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. We'll, we'll talk about the place in a minute, but the, but the portion. This word tithe, it actually means 10 Tenth. Tithe means tenth, uh, which is 10%. So that's where we get 10%. You may have heard that before. You may have heard like you're supposed to give 10% of your, your wages, and that's where this comes from. It comes from Jesus. Um, and, and this 10% thing, some people will say it's antiquated. Some people will say that was an old thing that we don't do anymore. Um, but you'll see here, it was established with Abraham. So like we're at the very beginning. It was reaffirmed with Jacob. It was commanded by Moses. It was confirmed by Malachi. Um, Pastor Jack will say that was the Italian prophet, Malachi or Malachi, if you're not Italian. Um, and then it was reconfirmed by Jesus. All throughout human history, he's been saying, this is how it works. You give your tithe. You give your 10%. 
So we're going to look at what Jesus said in Matthew. Uh, this man named Matthew recorded the events of Jesus' life. And in, in book, the book of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he said this, Pharisees, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Now that, I don't have much mint, dill, or cumin. I have some in my house, but not enough to like give to Jesus that it would make, make sense. Um, and to put, again, we talked last week, or the week before, about context. It's important to look around. Yes, that was last week. It's important to look around the, uh, a scripture to see like what, what we're talking about here. And in this passage, Jesus is yelling at the Pharisees. <laughs> like this is a condemnation for the Pharisees. But he tells them one thing they're doing right. And it was giving a tenth of their income. It was giving a tenth of their resources back to Jesus. So that was reconfirmed by Jesus when he said, Pharisees, you're doing a lot of things wrong. You're doing this thing right, you're doing a lot of things wrong. So um, all throughout the Bible, all throughout human history, 10% goes to God, 10%. And um, again, people will say this is an old rule, but it is all throughout human history where Jesus said 10%. God said 10%, this is how it works. People will say that they can't afford it. And I want to cover a bunch of excuses tonight so that when you think them, you're like, oh, right, Pastor Chris said that doesn't matter, Okay. People will say, I can't afford it. I can't afford to tithe. And there's a problem there. It sounds reasonable, but there's a problem. And the problem is that you can afford anything. I had a, a professor in Dr. Dippold. Um, I talked to some students going to uh, Valley Forge. We're going to have him. And some of you have met him at Breakaway. Incredible. One of my favorite professors molded my mind in a big way. And Dr. Dippold told me, you can have anything, but you can't have everything. Right? Does that make sense? You can have anything you want but you can't have everything you want. I, I talked not too long about how I want a Tesla. I could have a Tesla. The problem is I would have to live in my Tesla for years and years, right? I can have anything I want, but I cannot have everything I want. It's a matter of priorities. So you can't, you can't tithe because you can't afford it. It's because you didn't prioritize it. it didn't, it's because you didn't do that first. You can afford anything. You just can't afford everything. If you said you can't afford tithes, it means you ran out of money before you tithed, and that's a problem. See, because the, uh, Jesus says to give the tithe out of your first fruits, and that made sense to farmers, but <laughs> there's some like translation stuff for us. Your first fruits, what he's saying is, uh, here in Proverbs 3, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. It was again in Nehemiah, it said it again in Ezekiel, um, just to name a few, it's all over the place. This is for the farming culture, your first fruits. The first bill you pay is the one that Jesus asked for. The, you don't have to worry about running out of money to tithe if the first money you give is to Jesus. Does that make sense? The first fruits go to Jesus. It's the same principle as it was for the crops as it is for my paycheck. The first thing is you give 10% to God. So what does that mean for you? For you, if you are tithing, you're doing a great thing. 10%, God asks for it. As you give that, do it, keep doing it. If you're not and you have a job, you have some sort of income, start doing it. And this, is, this whole series is not about condemnation. It's about a foundation. It's about learning how to do this thing right. And so if there's some new information to you tonight or a new conviction, a new passion to do it, you can start tonight. If you're not working, you don't have a job, you don't have any source of income, this is a great time to hear it because it hasn't applied to you yet. So if you know of, uh, ahead of time, you can get a jump on it so that when you do have an income, you know how, what kind of relationship God wants you to have with your money. All right, 
That's the portion that God wants. The second thing is the place he wants us to take it. Because uh, we don't just mail it directly to Jesus. Um, maybe, if, maybe if he has Venmo, we could do it that way. But um, the place gets a little more complicated. And so I hope you can hear some of the nuance in this conversation. But if you don't hear the nuance, hear the, the very basic. Uh, Malachi 3 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. What is a storehouse? I'm glad you ask. Again, we're in a farming culture. This is a different world. We don't use a lot of these words. Um, but the storehouse was in the temple. It was at church for the people in this community. So the farmers would take their first fruits, 10% of their crops of their yield. They would take it to the temple. Now, this temple storehouse would do a bunch of things. It would feed the priests. It would be used to feed like the poor people in their community. And it would be used to fund the temple. So like, if you look at like a Catholic church, stained glass ain't cheap. Giant organs ain't cheap. All throughout history, the, the tithe, the way people contribute to God's house has been important. If you look, my goodness, when the first temple was built, like when Jesus said, all right, God said, this is how I'm going to be worshiped. There's going to be this building and you're going to worship me in this building. He then laid out the blueprint for this building and it was much more expensive than that one up there. <laughs> he laid out a very expensive building and and it can get confusing because you might say, I hesitate to say it, but you're thinking it. Why don't I feed so many more poor people and build a cheap shed to worship God in? And we need to remember that where your treasure is, there your heart is. And your treasure should be feeding poor people. It should be in part giving to those that need it. It should also be in honoring Jesus. And so he knows that when we bring our money to him, he has our heart. And when we, build, um, when we build this structure to worship him, you don't have to have a nice building to worship Jesus. But the reason he set that standard is that we prioritize worshiping Jesus. We prioritize our time together in his house. And that's why we have a nice church building. We also feed the poor. Don't, we can't neglect that thing. But both of these things need to happen. It's a way we show our worship and we honor God. So my storehouse is Harvest. It's this church that uh, Apex is a youth ministry, student ministry at a church called Harvest. So some of you may not know that, but that is who we are. That's where we are. You probably saw the sign coming in, so you probably did know that. Um, Harvest is my home church. It might be your home church. Uh, Harvest is where I am spiritually fed. And that's kind of a Christian-y word, uh, a phrase. Um, and what that means is it's where I go to church on Sunday mornings and it's where I am growing spiritually. So it's where I do my interaction with, interacting with the Bible. Um, I mean, I do a ton on my own, but it's where I do that in a corporate setting because Pastor Ray teaches a message every Sunday morning and uh, I am built up through that and I understand the scripture better. I understand Jesus better because of that. It's where I do my worship. It's where a lot of my uh, Christian friendships are at Harvest. And so my storehouse is in part Harvest. So Harvest is my storehouse because it's primarily where I am fed spiritually. So I tie there. Um, you may have a different church on Sunday mornings and that is totally fine. And if that is where you're being spiritually fed, that is where you tithe. 
If Apex is your only church, then and that is where you're being spiritually fed. Again, this is where nuance happens, and I need you to talk to me about it so we can have a conversation and, and discuss how that works because our offering goes to speed the light. It's not a tithe, it's an offering. So we need to talk about that to figure it out. But it's probably more simple for most of you in the room that you tithe to your storehouse. In many cases, that's harvest. Uh, it might not be. Again, you may go somewhere else on a Sunday morning. Tithe to where you're being fed. Again, I'd like to kind of curb some of the things that we hear and apply to our tithe later on in life. So people will make up rules about tithing to get out of doing it God's way. So uh, for instance, you may attend a church, but say they feel led to give their tithe to another church or another ministry that they watch on TV or on, uh, or, or some charity or some like, particular person, um, and they say that God told them to do that, and it shuts the conversation off, because we just learned eventually that if we say, God told me so, that's the end of the conversation. Um, God told me we were supposed to get married. Try it. It works sometimes. So um, people will just, will, will use that phrase to shut off the conversation, but God does not tell people to do things that his word says not to do. Right? So God never contradicts what he said in scripture. That is like when we hear words from God, Maya talked about it not too long ago. I was just listening to that today. She said, sometimes someone will come up to you with a word and they say, this is from God, quit your job. And you're like, dude, that's not from God. Like you have the responsibility to then take that word to God yourself and say, is this from you? And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. So a lot of times people will will. And maybe they honestly believe they heard from God to say that this is where you need to give to this someone else or, or, or you put it in your savings account at this time in your life. And that's just not how it works. And, and some people will make a deal with God where they say, God told me I only had to tithe 2%. I only had to tithe 5%. And look at the letter he wrote you first. Like, like uh, take what he said to you to scripture and you're gonna see that he didn't say it. You're gonna see that he will not cr contradict himself. So the Bible says 10% to your storehouse. There are no bonus rules that, that God made a special deal with you that contradicts the Bible. That's not how it works. Try going to Burger King and like, you know, ordering a Whopper and saying, excuse me, I feel led to pay McDonald's for this food. You would be laughed out of Burger King, right? <laughs> That's just not how it works in God's kingdom. You are, to, you are to tithe to where you are being fed. So tithe to your storehouse. So to you, if tithing um, to, if you're tithing to harvest because it's your storehouse, it's where you're being spiritually fed, you're nailing it, continue to do it, great job. If you are tithing not where you're being fed, fix it. God has laid out these instructions. Again, it's not too late to make that adjustment and to fix it for your paycheck. Uh, if you are not tithing, this is another one that you can do tonight. Fix it. You can tithe to your storehouse. Again, if, if you don't know exactly what that means, we'll talk about it. And if you don't know where you're being spiritually fed, let's talk it out. Uh, and again, if you're not working, these are things you need to know before you start working. So I'm glad that you're here as well. So we've talked about the portion that God wants, the place he wants us to take it. And the third thing I think is super, super important is the purpose. Why? Why do you want my money, God? And we talked, we kind of, you know, danced around it a little bit with that verse at the beginning, which we'll talk about again, because God doesn't need your money. 
That's kind of the bottom line. <laughs> God does not need your money. He's God. You know, he can just print more. Like the government. Like the government does. Yes, he can just inflate it. He doesn't need your money. But he wants your heart. And again, in Matthew 6, it says, where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. He knows that when we give to him, we are showing that our wallet is in his hands. We are showing that we have put our socks on before our shoes. We have put Jesus before our money when we show him by giving to him. It's all God's to begin with. And this is kind of a, a material stuff money conversation all wrapped in one. It's all God's to begin with. Um, there's a word we use in the church called, it says stewardship. And that, is, that word exists elsewhere. But um, we've used it in the church to mean, stewardship means we are taking care of a resource, but it's not ultimately ours. It's all ultimately God's. And so there are kind of three things where you can be at here. One is, it's all mine and God ain't getting any of it. And the second one is, it's all mine, but I'll give God the 10% he asked for. And then the third, I hope you move from one to three. And the third is, it's all God's. So I'm gonna give him 10%. And when you look at your finances, your resources as all God's, you're going to find yourself giving more than 10%. You're gonna find yourself giving the 10% of your tithe and you're gonna give an offering to a missionary or to a speaker or to speed the light. So for you, if you are tithing or not, it's important to look at tithing correctly. Now, that number two person that's giving it begrudgingly, they are closer than number one, and that's okay. But it is the ultimate goal to move to number three, where you say, God, this is all yours, and so I'm gonna give freely, and I'm gonna give cheerfully. It's all his. So we talked about the portion, the place, and the purpose, and that kind of leads us into that plus section. This is offering, and Speed the Light is an amazing organization where God works and he does all kinds of cool stuff through people at Speed the Light. We can partner with missionaries. I say this every week. We can partner with missionaries all over the world by giving in a plate that we pass in a garage in Pennsylvania. So this is what Speed the Light says. This is from their website um, and then their, some of their uh, literature. It says, the concept is simple. We give so others can speed the light of the gospel to a world in darkness. We provide essential transportation, creative communication, and compassionate demonstration to see souls saved and lives changed. You may have heard me use those words before um, because I just remembered them because they preach like I preach. <laughs> so with words that, may, that you may remember, uh, transportation, communication, and compassionate demonstration. And it's all about what we are trying to do here. It's all about reaching people for Jesus, but we get to be a part of what God's doing all over the world through Speed the Light. So we get to Speed the Light every week. Um, but in addition to financial offerings, I want for you to also have a burden for ministry, for, for, for missions. I want you to feel in your heart that it's not right that there are people around the world that haven't heard about Jesus or that there are people around the world, there's people in your school that view Jesus as the enemy, that view church and Christians as the bad guys. I don't think we're the bad guys, guys. I hope you don't think that you're the bad guys. So in our schools, at our jobs, in our world, we are trying to show people the light of Jesus and, and show people Jesus, God is love. Whatever you think, the hate or whatever that is over there, that is not what God is about. Whatever, a lot of people have a skewed vision of Jesus and the church, and I have considered it my personal responsibility to help 
people realize that that is not what Jesus is. And people have left their, their safety of their home, their culture, their family to go to another country and tell people about Jesus. And some are going to villages that where no one has ever heard of Jesus. Some are going to hardened nations that have heard of Jesus, but certainly don't care for him. Or, or they pretend to care about him. I'm thinking of our friends in Ireland who uh, a lot of them, they call themselves a Christian because that's just kind of what you do. Um, what maybe the United States used to be um, 20 years ago or so. People are going to, to help people view Jesus correctly. And what I want for you is not just to partner with them financially, but to care about that, to care about what missionaries are doing. Because you can give a couple bucks in an offering and that's amazing, but you can, but if you can launch, I, I, I don't know your particular passion, but I know people like you that have started nonprofits from high school that care about saving the ocean, that care about feeding hungry people, that care about missions on a level that they're not, it's not just a, a hashtag for them. And I want that passion for you to, that's, I'm gonna do something about it. I'm gonna reach the people in my school. I am also going to do something crazy to raise a bunch of money for missionaries because I've seen people like you do it. I, I'm so certain that everyone in this room is capable. I say that stuff all the time. I so mean it. There is not a single person in this room that is not capable of those things. Do you hear that? Because somebody, somebody doesn't believe me. Every person in this room is capable of making a huge impact for Jesus, financially, evangelistically, representing Jesus in their family, Everyone in here is capable of that. I want you to have a passion for it. Don't doubt that God can use you. Don't doubt that God can use you to do a huge thing. If he calls you to do it, he'll come through. That's what he does. So there have been several challenges tonight. To give your 10% to God, to give it to your storehouse where you're primarily fed, maybe harvest, maybe it's not. And to view our money, our resources as ultimately belonging to Jesus and we are just stewards, we are just taking care of them. To give, to speed the light, to be creative and listen to God's voice if he's telling you to do something crazy for Jesus. Something crazy to raise money for missions, something crazy to reach your school for him, to listen, tune into that voice. If you're a church person and you've maybe heard this exact talk before, money stuff is so important to Jesus. And it's not too late to get it right. So make adjustments, look to his word, seek wise counsel as you make these decisions. There are all adults that are here to help you process this stuff. Process it and learn how to do money like Jesus wants you to. If you are not a church person, this is the first time you're hearing some of this stuff um, and maybe you think we talk too much about money, um, just know that the bottom line is he wants your heart. God wants your heart. And when we give our money, it shows that he, that he has our heart. We don't talk like this every week. We don't have a huge thing about money every single week. Um, but it's so important when we're talking about foundations to view money correctly. The heart of what we're doing here is Jesus' sacrifice. And we show that he has our heart by giving freely. Money is important to God because he uses it to get a hold of our hearts and to reach more people for him. 
God, thank you so much that you allow us to be stewards of your resources. God, thank you for providing for us. Thank you that every person in this room has probably had something to eat today, that has clothes on their backs, that can transport themselves to church. Thank you for your provision. God, I pray you help us to view money the way you've instructed us to. Help us to to give generously and cheerfully and to be obedient with our money because, because where our heart is, is where our money is. And so you ask for our money to get to our heart and it shows that you have our heart, God. So help us to see everything we have as yours and see ourselves as stewards of it and help us to view money the way you want us to, God. I pray your blessing over our conversation in small groups and that you just help us to get this. Help us to not walk out of here without looking a little bit more like you tonight. We love you. In your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you can get your podcasts. We hope this message has mattered to your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.